and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Good Old Fashioned Philly Wrestling Podcast. My name is Rick Smooth. I'm here with Alan Fenstermaker, and we are going to absolutely talk your ear off about pro wrestling. How you doing? How you guys all doing tonight? All right. So um, now there's something I want to talk about. I just saw the dark side of the ring with Herb Abrams in the UWF story, and um, now. I actually didn't really know uh, Herb, you know, as far as, uh, you know, as uh, somebody who watches wrestling or, or, you know, has been around this stuff. Um, hearing his story is just fucking mind-blowing because that dude was a fucking maniac. And he was booking some pretty big names and doing lots of cocaine and fucking lots of hookers, man. So uh, anybody out there who hasn't seen the dark side of the ring about Herb Abrams, prepare yourself. It is one of the best episodes of Dark Side of the Ring, and it will introduce you to a federation that you may not have uh, heard of before, the UWF. Nice. Okay, now, um, now what, what was the biggest thing, that the, the, the most fascinating thing that you heard in his uh, story from watching that? Um, well, I learned what not to do, which is don't overbook the size of the venue if you don't have the amount of people to come out to the show. Um, I know that sounds very elementary, but being like a promoter that goes for things, like uh, I can understand why somebody would shoot too high at times. And I think with him, he was shooting way too high. But at the same time, when you shoot really high, when you do come up short, you still come up a lot higher up than if you would have shot for something small. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know. Uh, yeah, because I know, like, the whole thing is, like, I know, like, with, uh, it goes back to when I used to do, uh, music festivals and all, too. Like, I know a lot of times, like, uh, we would play it out a whole weekend expecting a certain amount of people to come to it, but then, like, uh, not as many people that, that, uh, that we were expecting come on out, and then because of that, we don't end up making that much money, and, uh, we end up, uh, not really making as much as we thought we did. So, it's, it goes to be the same thing with wrestling and all. Like, you want to make sure, like, when you, uh, pick the venue you're going to have the show that you're going to have the show in make sure you can um compensate it well enough to figure out how many people you could get and how many people come out so you don't really have any empty spot any uh, any empty seats yeah and that's the thing this guy was booking shows that could hold like 16,000 people and he was only bringing out a couple hundred people so it you know it's like uh it, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't look good. See, I can actually understand what he was doing because when you have that kind of talent on board for what you're trying to do and you're videotaping it, you are making history, even if the venue is empty. So it's more the workers that kind of get pissed off about that kind of shit because they're like, wow, we're performing for nobody tonight. You know what I mean? Yeah, because um, I know, like, uh, a lot of workers, I can even tell, like, when watching uh, WWE in the Performance Center uh, with the uh, empty arena matches, some of the workers that are uh, that are wrestling in the ring are so used to performing in front of a crowd where, like, they feed off, they're so used to feeding off of the crowd to a point where, like, they don't really know what to do, like, when performing in front of an audience of nobody. That's why, like, um, WWE shows have been like I think in my opinion have been going downhill in the performance center but um AEW they're they're doing their uh, empty arena shows right because they're actually like taking uh taking workers and making the workers of the audience this way like they could at least have somebody in the audience so like in, in yeah the- AEW. Yeah, 
AEW's been absolutely uh, on the rise, man. They actually made money, too. Like, they made a profit out of all this. It's just crazy, man. Um, so, yeah, so I want to talk a little bit about what's going on in the world of professional wrestling in this sense, all right? So, um, there is a lot of talent with workers, but they're all spread out in different promotions. So, I have this idea... You know, it's almost like the fans are kind of left with, you know, a lot of the wrestlers from back in the day have passed on or uh, are too, you know, uh, beat up to get back into the, the square circle. So we're kind of stuck with the promoters. Now, uh, I'm going to name a couple promoters that are still around that that could absolutely, uh, if, if they look at this stuff differently, could absolutely help out the entire wrestling world, okay? So obviously Vince McMahon, the biggest promoter to ever do this in wrestling, is still going. Bruce Pritchard, who's his right-hand man, is still going, okay? You got Paul Heyman, who's working with those guys, is still going, okay? Then across town, or across the country, you got Cody Rhodes. Then you got a guy like Jim Cornette, who's still, you know, ticking, you know what I mean? And still obviously passionate about pro wrestling. Then you keep going down the, the line, and, you know, you, you got all these fucking promoters, you know what I mean? Or, uh, you know, bookers that that could absolutely be doing their own federations and the fans would benefit from it. The problem is, is that everybody makes it about the money. And I know that wrestling is all about money. Okay. I mean, that, that's why everybody does this shit. I get that. But I mean, I, I hate to say this, but a guy like Herb Abrams or, uh, I'm sorry, uh, uh, UWF, like, like, like what they did was they took out the crowd element of it because they didn't really have that many people there. Instead, they made history through through the filming of it. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I mean, there's also guys like Todd Gordon around. There's also even guys like Russo around. You know what I mean? And Eric Bischoff. You know? I'm at the point now where I love wrestling so much that I have to keep diving further into the old stuff. Like, I'm watching stuff from Amarillo, Texas right now with the Funks. And I'm watching, you know, like, I'm going to dig up some old Tri-State wrestling with Joel Goodhart. Now, I want to see the promoters go at it. And I want to see them go at it through their, you know, uh, like, if they open up their own federations, I'd like to see who does well and who knocks who off. You know what I mean? I mean, like, people like Cornette and Russo have been fighting for so long. Fuck, give them two fucking federations and let them fuck each other up, man. I mean, we want to see some, some fucking fighting. That's what this shit's about. Yeah, absolutely. Like just yeah, that, or just put them both in a put them both in a uh, steel cage and let them go at it. Because that's one form of wrestling that um the uh, the cage fighting needs to come back. That was uh, that was pretty that was pretty epic when they had that when they had the uh, cage fights and all. Yeah, you know it's interesting that you say that because I was thinking about that too. Like um you know maybe they should just let cats like that just beat the fuck out of each other. But the, th- the thing is, is that I don't know if that, I mean, some of it would sell and some of it wouldn't. Like, I don't think anybody's going to want to see, like, Brother Love in there or, like, uh, you know, uh, even Todd Gordon in there uh, fighting, you know, on on film, you know, on, on the screen, in the ring. But, you know, the Cornette Russo thing would, would definitely sell. We know that. But, um, you know, I think 
that if they had their own federations, all these guys, because all these guys are important to the wrestling business and the history of the wrestling business, and they're all still around. Yeah. And Vince McMahon's shit in the bed right now in WWE, and Cody Rhodes is slowly but surely starting to come up. And, you know, there's other federations that are doing fine, and I like these other federations, like MLW and NWA Impact, uh, I'm sorry, and NWA Power, and then, you know, uh, Impact, and all these different leagues, you know? Like, I like it all, but I want to see the guys that really made this wrestling shit happen. And the, the problem is, is a lot of those guys are gone, like Dr. Destiny Williams or Bam Bam Bigelow or, uh, you know, fucking Owen Hart, you know what I'm saying? But I would love to see Bret Hart, you know, doing a promotion or something like that, you know what I mean? Like, just really, really going in hard. And it's not even about, everybody makes the mistake of going after Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon right now is Vince McMahon's own worst enemy. Yeah, one thing I would actually like to see when you think about it, like uh, you were talking about all those guys forming uh, their uh, promotion and all. One, yeah. you know, one person I would I would love to see uh, throw up, start his own promotion would be Jr. Jim Ross because Jim Ross has an incredible mind for the business, and um, I think Jim Ross like ha- would definitely have what it takes if he wanted to start his own promotion. It's it's, it's interesting that you say that because last week on AEW I noticed that he was he was um, throwing around some of the stuff that he used to say in WWE. But he was doing it in a new way. He was reinventing stuff that he had used in WWE and turning it into a new thing for AEW. And I thought that was actually really smart of him, like, to be able to kind of, like, you know, uh, reach into the stuff that he created and then recreate it. Yeah. You know, because that's what, that's what, like, you know, good artists do. You know, good musicians or, or you know, good workers or, uh, you know, good sports players. It's like, it, it's you versus yourself, you know what I'm saying? And, and, and how you reinvent yourself or how you, um, you know, even uh, value your own creativity and learn how to recreate that. Nobody can ever take that away from him, you know what I mean? Yeah, I know. Like, uh, I remember, I know Jim Ross, I've actually heard him in a couple different promotions because... I remember back in the day when he was with uh, WWE, and then like, um, and then re- when I uh, recently started back watching again, like um, a couple years ago, then um, he wa- he wasn't around. Then like uh, I remember the other couple, like two years ago, I started um, watching New yeah New Japan Pro Wrestling every week, and uh, I heard Jim Ross doing New Japan, and now like yeah. now he's with yeah. WWE, so yeah, like he's been with WWE, New Japan Pro Wrestling. And he's been with uh, AEW, so that's like three different promotions that that I that I know of that I've actually heard him uh, call commentary during. Yeah, well, he was in NWA too, and he was also in um, I, I don't want to say the wrong league, but I, I, it was it might not have been Mid South, but it was one of those leagues that I've been seeing pop up on the network. Um, and I, he might have even been in AWA at one time. I feel bad not knowing this information. If I had Wikipedia in front of me, I would just read it off because Jim Ross has been everywhere. He, he, He's definitely been in more organizations than what me and you are both saying right now. Yeah, absolutely. I'm actually going to pull it up right now because I could do that and then this way. Like, yeah, if you... yeah, please, please do. Yeah, please do. Yeah. I, I want to I wanna do Jim Ross uh, justice, you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Let's see. Yeah, it says here uh, James William Ross was born uh, January 3rd, 1952, 
is an American uh, professional wrestling commentator and talent relations executive who currently signed to All Elite Wrestling. AEW is a commentator, analyst, senior advisor. Ross is best known for a long and distinguished career as a uh, wrestling commentator for WWE. He is known affectionately as good old JR and has been uh, labeled as one of the greatest wrestling commentators of all time. Can you, can you skip to the part where it says who we work for? Okay. Um, accomplishments and awards. Let's see. Cauliflower Alley Club. Art Abrams uh, Lifetime Achievement Award 2010. George uh, Trago's Luthez Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame, the Luthez Award in 2011, National Wrestling Alliance NWA Hall of Fame, class of 2016, Pro Wrestling Illustrated Stanley Weston Award 2002, World, World Wrestling Entertainment WWE Hall of Fame, class of 2007, Slammy Award for Tell Me Tell Me I Did Not Just See That Moment of the Year 2011, rapping during the uh, Michael Cole Challenge, and uh, the Wrestling Observer Newsletter, Best uh, Television Announcer 1988, 1993, 19, 1998 to 2001, 2006 to 2007, 2009 to 2012, Worst Feud of the Year, 2005 versus the McMahon Family, and then uh, Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Fame, Class of 99. Okay, but yeah, can you go to where it says like what companies he worked for? Hmm. It should say like under career. All right. In ring career talks about his uh, his victory over Triple H in an ODQ match when uh, Batista helped him, which I still remember watching that. Yeah. <laughs> that was pretty wild. Yeah. And then notably in ring appearances by Ross was when he was in a tag match with Jerry Lawler against Al Snow and Jonathan Coachman at 2003 Unforgiven. And then uh, they lost the contest to Snow and Coachman due to interference by uh, Chris Jericho. However, due to uh, weeks later, Ross and Lawler regained their jobs when uh, Ross defeated Coachman in a country weapon match using the stunner as a finishing mover, maneuver. Ross has participated in more matches alongside Lawler, including a few hardcore stipulations. 2011, compete against Michael Cole on the April 25th episode of Raw. And then um, also Cole by disqualification after uh, Cole's manager for the match, Jack Swagger, attacked Ross while uh, he had uh, mounted and uh, was uh, landing punches on him, which is interesting because... Um, Jack Swagger and uh, Jericho are both in AEW right now, too, where Jim Ross is. So, so far, some of the guys I mentioned, Jim Ross has a uh, history with them in WWE, and now they're all in uh, AEW together. Yeah, that is interesting, man. Um, yeah, all right. So, so uh, that, that's, that's enough of the Wikipedia if it's not going to say, like, what, what federations or what. Um, but, yeah, uh, Jim Ross is definitely a legend, you know, when it comes to this stuff. I mean, not just a legend, but Jim Ross is pro wrestling when it comes to commentating. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
Uh, you know who would also be good as a promoter? I, I mean, he's been a promoter for years, but like, you know, I'd like to see, like, in this whole battle royal of promoters that we're talking about, I'd like to see Jerry Lawler do some shit. I'd like to see, um, you know, Jeff Jarrett continue to do some shit. Um, I'd like to really see how all, like, if you just put all these promoters in a big battle royal of different federations or organizations, you know, I think that would be the answer to for all this uh, wrestling stuff. However... There's already so many promotions that you're seeing a lot of different talent in different places. So there has to be some kind of new way of going about all this where everybody can, we can have these dream matches that we've, that, you know, these, these new modern dream matches that we would all want to see. Because, um, uh, you know, having all these guys spread out all over the place isn't great. But then again, there is a lot of new talent coming through. Um, but when you watch the old stuff, you know, this is where I think Vince McMahon dropped the ball. Um, and, and it's no, it's no uh, you know, secret that the invasion angle didn't go well. But he let too much time go by of the old generation where then people started to pass away or people, you know, retire and stuff like that. Instead of just saying fuck all the, 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 the petty shit or, you know, like how people treat each other, put them all in the ring and just let them brawl. That, you know, I used to play with these action figures when I was a kid and we were having better dream matches with these toys than, you know, some of the, the matches that actually came to be when Vince bought WCW and ECW, you know what I mean? And the other thing is, too, is the guys that were in ECW were very misused by the WWE back then. And a lot of those guys really could have actually made a big difference and became the future stars of the Federation. I know Paul Heyman has, is an awesome uh, promoter and has an awesome mind for the business, too, because he did amazing things with ECW. And this, I'm just hoping that, like, because in, I kind of feel like he's uh, been kind of squelched or like to a point where like he can't really do exactly what he wants to do in WWE exactly. Vince McMahon. but um that's why I'm hoping that Paul eventually uh, like after he, he gets a certain amount of money and uh or get does whatever he wants to do with WWE hopefully he'll eventually part ways with WWE and he'll like uh go back and and do his own thing again like uh yep. and do like it's not not exactly like ECW but maybe like do something similar along those lines, but like it would be cool to have him do it at the arena in Philadelphia too, because uh, that's where he had some magic and uh, and that the uh, magic of the arena, and especially that Paul Heyman back in that building, like running the show again, like with his own promotion. Yeah, I, I, I agree 100%. I think that was maybe the best idea that we've gotten out of doing all these um, podcasts and stuff like that. Um, you know, Paul Heyman is somebody who can really, you know, do something fresh and brand new that, like, for example, when he used to run SmackDown and stuff like that, and he was booking some of these guys that we would have never thought would get world title shots or win the world title, you know? People like Rey Mysterio or Eddie Guerrero or even, you know, Bradshaw or, you know, I, I, I don't want to, you know, say the wrong names here because I don't know exactly who Paul put over and who he didn't. But, you know, that, 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 I was already turned away from pro wrestling around 2004, but when I started to see the guys that were winning the belts, 
at first I was like, why are they doing this? But then once I started to pay attention, I was like, whoa, whoever's doing this is a fucking genius, and these guys are actually pulling it off. Yeah. And that was Paul Heyman. Yeah. So, um, all right, I, I think that kind of concludes what we're doing here today on the good old-fashioned Philly Wrestling Podcast. My name is Rich Smooth. This is Alan Fenstermaker. Good night. Good night.